welcome to the first edition of the 2023 Bombercast for Big Footy Essendon Bombers. I'm your co-host, The Grizz, back for another season with my other co-host and good friend, Bonta34. It's been a, a long pre-season for us, Bonta, prepping for the podcast, but it's finally good to get on board. Yeah, it's actually really funny because I don't use the laptop that I'm using for the podcast. I actually don't use it all that often. So when I went to turn it on, it was so flat that it didn't even have enough power to tell me it needed battery. (laughs) And um, when I tried to start everything up, it freaked out because the clock on the system was set for uh, Christmas Day, amusingly, which must be the last time it managed to have a little skerrick of power. So it was telling me because it actually wasn't Christmas that my laptop was wrong and therefore I needed to update the date. So it's, it has been a very long time since we've uh, got together to talk about about the Eston Football Club. Yes, and I think thankfully, unlike the three months prior to Christmas, which was an absolute crap show this Last few months has been relatively quiet. Pre-season's come and gone. We've had a couple of matches, if you can call the Gold Coast practice sim, whatever that was, a match. It's been a weird old pre-season. We've had the almost annual stringer, is he fit, is he not? We've had the now seemingly annual, is Cox and Reed ever going to play football again? <laughs> but on top of that, it's been um, a season with a lot. It's been... Pretty quiet, I think, Bonds. But what's your general feel for the preseason been so far? Yeah, it's been pretty good for us, I think. Um, we haven't had any players come out and admit to taking illicit substances, which is um, not something that all clubs in the AFL can say. So I think we're ahead in that regard. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it has been pretty quiet. And, and I think as a football club, we needed it to be quiet. I, I think... With all the turmoil we saw towards the end of the year with, with Truck and, and, and with the board and, and with Hurd and Sheedy and, and all that going on, I think if, if that had carried on into early 2023, I think most of us would be fatigued already. And, and you know, it's we're potentially going to have a long season. So if we were fatigued in, in March, geez, we'd be, I don't know what we would have been, you know, come, come July or August. Yeah, and I think it's been quiet for a few fronts. The first is we've heard basically nothing out of the club, really. Generally, you know, you see a lot of puff pieces out. Um, and we're starting to get a few now. I think Ayrton Woolley released the first chapter of his book on the Essendon website about a week ago. That might be the longest article I've ever read, um, just about. Um, but all in all, it's been pretty quiet. A lot of playing down of expectations from Brad Scott, which I don't mind. Um, he did say that. Um, he was surprised by the, the quality of the group as opposed to what he thought it would be coming in so far, but really playing down expectations for what he expects of the year. And um, I think we've got a very young group, really, that's only gotten younger, uh, younger sorry, from last year. And my general feel of the preseason is uh, not to expect much for this season, not that we expected much either of us last year, and uh, we were proven to be right. I think I think Brad Scott's sort of got to say that he thinks the uh, squad is better than what he expected coming in because I think if he came in and said it was about what he expected or below what he expected, then then we'd be questioning whether or not he's the man for the job. The, the knives would already start be starting to come out as they do amongst the Essendon fan base. You did touch on the stringer thing, whether or not he's fit. I, I say it every season when that comes up, and I'll say it again. It's the most ridiculous topic to have about player fitness at AFL level. The reality is they have that many metrics. Even if he does look a little bit bigger than, say, I don't know, Zach Merritt around the stomach, he's still going to be 10 times fitter 
than anybody in the, than the layman. So it's just, it's just ridiculous that we have this chat about players, especially someone like Jake, who is not going to be an elite runner. He's never going to be that elite 10Ks in a game at top speed runner. You know, he's, he's a burst player and burst players don't need to be these thin rakes. Although there, there has been a couple of photos today of him come out. It does look incredibly fit, which I, I know it hasn't actually managed to get much traction amongst the fan base yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I generally don't like buy the, well, they're fitter than the layman thing because it's sort of their job. My job doesn't revolve around being a professional athlete. So, of course, he's going to be more than 10 times fitter than me. My, my thing with Jake has always been, I don't care whether you come to preseason, you know, ripping Nick shredded six pack, just don't come back overweight. Um, and he's clearly the sort of guy that I think we've realized now that needs to build into fitness over the course of preseason. Every time we try and build him up into this machine that can run 12 kilometers in the game as a midfielder, he breaks down. I, I've had this discussion with Ant and Vanders, I think, um, on the board where I think we just need to see if we can strip him down to 90 here. I don't care about him being ripped. I don't care about him being, having a six-pack. But clearly, he gets to a critical weight where his body starts to break down because of his gait. And we saw it. Like, I don't care if he's you know a little pudgy around the midriff, but he, I think he's had two or three soft tissues this preseason, which is just never ideal going into a season. Yeah, well, when, when I say... When I talk about, you know, he's fitter than, than the layman thing, what I simply mean is I think a lot of people think how they would react to to not being in top nick. So if you or I aren't in top nick, then, then we, you know, we feel it. If an AFL player's not in top nick, they're, they're still pretty bloody good. So the, the, it's not like, yeah, it's it's a hard it's a hard one to sort of explain. But but I just think people look at it and go, oh, geez, if I was carrying five or six extra kegs, geez, I'd be struggling. An AFL player carries five or six extra kegs, yeah, they might be struggling but i i still think they're able to go out and do their job so so i, I just that's what i mean by you know he's still going to be fitter than layman in that being that little bit heavier probably doesn't impact him as much as it would anybody else the other one of course was tip and woody um there was a lot of talk about whether or not he'd get fit and i think there was a carlton post that keeps coming onto our board for whatever reason and, and he suggested that the tip wouldn't be able to get fit fit enough until round 10 ridiculous you know he's he got 16 weeks as an afl player to get fit Tipper doesn't need again. He's not. He's not an average person. He doesn't need sixteen weeks and then ten rounds of this the season to, to get fit. He's going to be able to get fit in that sixteen week time because, as you said, it's their job. It's what they do day in day out. So, you know, the whole concern about oh, are they going to get fit? Are they going to get fitting time? The club will have had fitness plans. They'll have had dietary plans. They've had it all set up to get them absolutely cherry ripe for round one. Now, soft tissue injuries happen, and it means you can't get everyone fit you know and, and that's fine but any concerns about this whole dieting or turning up to pre-season or anything like that yeah it sucks if they start behind the eight ball but it's not like they can't make it up and, and then nine times out of ten they inevitably do yeah i, I think with jake uh, jake and tipper specifically um i think with jake he was always going to put a little bit of weight on because he's his injury was um lower body so you can't run it's very hard to get. We we've seen multiple guys have long to have you know injury to the lower half and because they can't run and they can't do all that sort of fitness um, with their lower bodies, such as strengthening quads and stuff. Essentially, what you're doing is you're going to put on a little bit of weight. But I think with Tipper, it was always just going to be a long road. He, he was gone for six months. 
um, and now he's he's trying to get back into AFL shape. I th- I still think even if he doesn't look fit, um, he'll probably be. But um, I'm not expecting much from either of them in the first couple of rounds. Not that it matters because I don't think we're we're in a position where we absolutely need them fit and firing to make finals, and we've got a pretty soft draw to start the first four weeks, so it doesn't matter. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll move to the the practice matches, or if we can call them that, of the last couple weeks. Um, we had the six period sim against the Gold Coast, and we had the the preseason match against St Kilda. Oh, I've sort of we're going to have a couple of big takeaways each, and I think I might give you the new ball. What's one of the big takeaways you've seen from the two practice matches so far? Well, I don't think we can really call the Gold Coast game practice game because you did say it was six periods, but we actually called it off after five because of the. I think they decided it was too hot up there. There was a there was a, a rumor spread by by Cooper Gresh that um, we we called off the sixth period because we wanted to have the victory after five periods and we didn't want to lose the game. <laughs> that was his that was his theory. It's an interesting theory considering the Gold Coast called it off, and his theory was that we were going to lose the game, which you know the game the sixth period never got played. So I don't know how he came to that conclusion. Um, if I had to sort of pick a big takeaway from the from the, the preseason game against St Kilda, it would probably be how good our small forward pressure was when the ball hit the deck. John Menzies, you know, Alwyn Davy, or Alwyn Davy Jr. depends on what you want to call him. I'll probably just call him Alwyn Davy because it's shorter and sharper for me. And then obviously Tip and Woody, you know, they do just bring a different level of speed to that that forward line pressure than than what we had last year. And and I think we said it multiple times when we were defending poor truck in that, you know, truck sort of got left with not a great small forward line and, and not much going on when the ball hit the deck. I mean, you had, had Dev Smith down there who was okay but wasn't wasn't the, the player he once was. You had Tex Wanganine bob up every now and then who, you know, just clearly wasn't ready for AFL level last year. Yeah, so I think those three this year for Brad Scott will be will be very, very handy and will cause nightmares for teams at times. Yeah, it's an interesting one because Will Snelling was a healthy scratch. So uh, it's fascinating. I found with Mac Welfy out, Will Snelling was a you know, healthy but not playing, and in his stead, as you said, was Tipper, Jai Mendy, and Owen David. Now it might be that he thought Snelling is a proven player. What we needed to find out is what we have with the other three, which is fair enough. But I think Owen David was a really pleasant surprise, and we'll get into players that impressed us a bit later. I think, but. Um, Jai Mendy is another one that's really popped for me um, this preseason. He kicked three against the Gold Coast in that match simulation. I, I think, like I said with Truck, the game plan that we want to play, this forward half football, relies so heavily on forward pressure. And when you've got an undersized defence like we do, you need heat on the ball coming out of our forward 50 out of their defensive 50 so we can set up a zone in order the intercept because we're not going to beat many teams one-on-one with the defense that we're setting out there. So I, I found, yeah, I, I'm with you, the, the, four, the small forwards sort of looking coherent was a big one. My, one big takeaway I had was our defensive setup. Um, I, I was really keen to see what Brad Scott was going to do. A lot of talk about how the players were sort of really regimented last year, Zach Merritt said, which seemed weird because against John Worsfold, they said they wanted to be coached more and have a definite system and then they get into a definite system and it's too rigid. I don't know what's going on there, but really positive against St. Kilda is that we only allowed, I think it was too, Happy Skerritt had the, the fact 
I think we only allowed the Saints to transition the ball from our forward 50 to their forward 50 twice directly. So that's without a stoppage or something in, or an intercept in between, which, you know, that was the hallmark of our game last year was just letting teams waltz from one side down to the other. So it can, and when you consider that the breeze that that game was working with, that's a fair effort. Now, I think we're going to struggle to score points this year but I think you could see that the setup we had with that forward pressure that you mentioned might be some, might at least be an improvement, which you know may not be much considering the last couple of years. The only thing I will say, and I, I was positive about their pressure, was that the small forwards unfortunately didn't really get involved a great deal in the scoreboard. So you know, Alwyn Davy was involved with four, four score, four score involvement, which is you know, pretty good for him. Jai Menzies only had the two. Tipper was only you know one score involvement. So defensively, they were really good, but you know we we do need to find something from them the other way. Other than you know, I think um, Alwyn kicked kicked one, and and Jai and Tipper had a, a shot edge. Alwyn put one out in the full as well, which was disappointing, <laughs> but probably not <laughs> probably not too unexpected considering the conditions. No, that's right. Did you have another one that you wanted to throw at there, Bonds? I think the other thing I was probably pleased to see was there were players in their correct positions. So so I'm a big fan of Andy McGrath behind the ball, which I thought we did well. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Perkins going on, onto the ball and being that mid-half forward, which I know some people don't like, but I, I quite like, and we did that with him. Um, you know, Merritt sort of plays that really good role on the ball, can slide behind it. We played him there. You know, Peter Wright played for. Wiedemann is, is going to be handy up forward and, and can, you know, part-time ruck um, up there. And we did that with him. They're, they're, apart from... Probably Kane Baldwin, who I think we're playing out of position, and we can talk, and I'll probably touch on that later. I thought we played people in their positions. We played players to their strengths rather than trying to shoehorn people into spots, which which we are guilty of doing um, in in previous years. Yeah, I think Baldwin um, was more out of necessity than anything, considering we've got a couple of injuries to Cox and Reed, who who just aren't playing at the moment. So finding an additional key defender for a couple of quarters in the in the practice matches was required. But yeah, I, I'm I sort of don't know what half what position some of the forward half guys are meant to play. Like is Perkins a mid or a forward? Is is Langford a forward or a wing? Is Martin wing full, uh, half forward or a, or a midfield? But what I appreciate is a bit like, uh, to your point, the fits looked a lot more natural. We weren't shoehorning Kyle Langford into the big-bodied midfield role because we didn't have anyone else to play it. We weren't um, having Massimo play small forward <laughs> because we had no other options, as you alluded to earlier. And roles that I think Zach Merritt talked about wanting to play on instinct a bit more around the ground. Um, they were sort of frozen about what they were meant to be doing and what they were doing last year, that there was no instinct. Um, again, I'm not sure how that flies, but you could tell they are playing in a position which suited how they wanted to play. Um, and so, you know, that could just be the, the first phase of Brad Scott trying to figure out what they have. But um, I, I did notice that too, that it did look a more natural setup all across the ground. Um, and I think, when you've got Dirk Thatcher, for example, playing um, as a key defender, Laverde playing second tall, and Ridley playing the rebound defence, um, I think yeah, everyone just slotted into their roles easier. And I think, to your point, it's good to see everyone playing uh, well. Um, my last takeaway is I think we've got another year of goal-kicking woe ahead of us. So I floated this last 
pre-season when we kicked terribly in both matches um, against the Bulldogs and against St Kilda, I think it was. And no one was particularly worried on the board until we finished second worst in the AFL for goal kicking last year. We were absolutely dreadful. It absolutely cost us a couple of games against the West Coast and I think uh, another one against the Collingwood, sorry, when Jones hit the post and we missed a whole bunch of shots in that last quarter. Um, we kicked three fourteen against St Kilda and we weren't much more accurate against the Gold Coast and... I think we we lack scoring power to begin with, but I think the goal kicking can't afford to be what it has been this preseason and what it was really from last year. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because St Kilda didn't didn't have the the inaccuracy we had, and 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 can I can I just say as a side note, some of the some of the comments on the board were laughable about. You know, oh, they but they train here. They train in this wind. That's why they're a better shot for goal. So it doesn't matter. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> Have they been to Tullamarine? Has anyone anyone who said that actually ever been to Tullamarine? It's not like it's, it's not like it's um you know a, a calm and and tranquil place. It gets windy out there. It's tough conditions out there. And and you know it's twenty twenty three. They're professional footballers. It's not the early nineties where you know, sheets could tie down the windsock and that confused the opposition and. And um, they wouldn't know how to respond. We should have been better kicking into that wind. We should have been better kicking with the wind for goal as well. So I take your point that the kicking for goal was poor. I think part of the problem when we had the breeze was that we were rushing. Um, I think the players panicked. They went, shit, we've got this really strong breeze. We need to kick five or six goals with it. Uh, And so instead of being smart with the ball, we were just bombing it long or just taking really poor shot choices so it sort of i sort of look at it and go was our goal kicking terrible yes but there were circumstances in it in in that fact that i think the the pressure just got to the players with the idea that we needed to slam quick goals through because of this amazing breeze we had which which we won't see at docklands obviously but yeah, it's just it's a tough one because they are professional footballers, so that shouldn't have happened, but it did. So, yeah, I agree that goal kicking needs to improve this year from last year. Um, having Tip and Woody back will definitely do that because, as we know, he's a bit of a dead-eyed dick in front. Yeah, and I think Essendon and St Kilda played with the same breeze. So the fact St Kilda were – and if, if it was a little bit of a discrepancy, that would make a difference, but 10-7 to 3-14 – is ridiculous. And and the struggle for me was like we were missing the same way continually. It wasn't like, okay, so that's what the wind's doing. I'm going to adjust my kick. We were missing it left every single time down that end. It was driving me nuts that no one adapted to the wind and just, just decided to hang it out halfway through the last goal, the right side goalpost and let it fade. Anyway, all in all, um, we're, we're not going to be good enough to let opportunities slip, and I feel like we're doing that at the moment. Speaking of forward line, I wanted to talk about players that stood out and players that might have a scratching our heads before we wrap up the podcast. One one for me was Alan Davey, and I know we've already sort of talked about him, and I thought you know he was pretty good, and we could talk about him in a second, but the one I wanted to highlight was Sam Wiedemann. Now, Sam wasn't you know, shooting the lights out as a key forward, but I thought he absolutely outplayed Harry Jones, um, who was probably his contemporary or the guy, if string is fit, he's competing for a spot with. 
And then I think he probably outperformed Peter Wright as well. I, I, I'm not – he didn't you know, kick a bag of seven in each game, but there's a guy that could play as a compliment to – to Peter uh, Peter Wright and, you know, chop out in the ruck as needed. I thought he probably cemented his spot in round one for us. Yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised by how he played. Um, Harry Jones, to be honest, I didn't think moved all that well. No. He, he just he, – he, he looked like Kale Hooker, which is, not a, which is not a positive considering that he looked like um, Kale Hooker towards the back end of his career, the way he was moving. So I think – Harry, to me, just didn't look like he, he'd been playing enough footy. There's a couple of times there where he ran and jumped. He, he sort of got robbed a couple of times. He took a couple of great marks and it either was a free kick or something or either for or against and he had to hand the ball over. So those those kind of marks didn't really get replayed, which, you know, if, if he'd been paid the mark and not the free kick in completely unrelated to him, he would have got replayed. We'd probably be saying that he looked pretty good with his first game back. The reality is at the end of the day, it sort of went against him a little bit. Does he play round one instead of Wiedemann? At the moment, you'd probably play Wiedemann because I don't really want Harry in the ruck. I don't want Peter Wright in the ruck, even though he did ruck a bit more during the practice game than I would have liked. So, yeah, it's tough. I don't think... Look, I, I don't think Wiedemann or Harry Jones are going to be competing with Stringer. I, I just... I think that Jake is just going to be a completely different player. Um mm. And I think he will take someone's spot. Like even though you said, he, as you said, he was a healthy scratch. You know, if if it comes down to Jake Stringer or Will Snelling, then then Will Snelling misses out. I, I think that's the kind of player Jake's competing with. I don't think I don't think Wiedemann or, or Jones are going to be too worried about Jake coming in and taking their role. But yeah, at the moment, I'd probably be playing Wiedemann instead of Jones, which pains me to say. I would I would ideally like to be playing Baldwin, but as I said, that they, they seem to be persisting with this, him in the backline idea, which you know. It's a very essential thing to try and create a swing player. I, 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 I get what you're saying about it's through necessity, we had injuries, but the, the bloke who's only played one season as a key position forward and, and looked okay last year in the VFL, it's, it's his first year back in, in two years. You know, why are we swinging him now? It, it, it feels very Aaron Francis to me in that we just never – we got we got in, we fell in love with this idea of swinging him around and we never let him get settled and, and – I just, I just really hope that you're right, and it was just purely because of injuries. Because the thing is, Kane didn't come on until late in the game, so we obviously could could afford to not have him down back if if we played in the first three quarters without him. And I get that he played the VFL in the morning, but and again, I'll be honest, I don't like this idea of swinging him in the VFL because the VFL is meant to be about development. So you know, if, if we need a key position back in the VFL, go to the v, the you know the Amateur Football Association and grab someone from there. Grab a key position defender from there. Don't don't start swinging these young blokes around. Let them play the positions that we drafted and and they look most natural in. Having said that, Kane played very well as a backman and provided plenty of run and overlap, which completely surprised me. I was stunned <laughs> by that. I'm not sure if it got picked up because again, similar to Harry with his marks, where he had things taken away from him, they didn't use Kane, so I don't think it really got noticed all that much. Whereas if the couple of times when he actually provided that run and overlap, if they'd been smart and used him, we'd be talking about what a find Kane Baldwin has been as a defender. Yeah. But again, didn't happen, so we're really not. But yeah, I'll just, I'm just, it's a very essential thing to try and find a a swing player because we we had such good ones in in Hooker um, to a lesser extent Hurley. So I think we're still in love with that idea. It's it's sort of like the um. 
the Australian cricket team trying to find the Freddie Flintoff equivalent. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we fall in love with an idea even if the player doesn't quite match the description. Yeah, I, I would tend to think that it's more out of necessity at the moment. Lewis Hayes just isn't ready because his body isn't ready, and Clark uh, and sorry, and Cox and, and Reed aren't playing. Kane Baldwin wasn't really part of my consideration, other than he looked okay when he came on. But yeah, I, I, my thing with Jones is he's what four preseasons in, and he still looks like he got drafted yesterday. Like he's still so skinny. Bo Wilkie, who's technically five kilos lighter and you know seven centimeters shorter was pushing him under the ball and he was i have serious concerns about harry jones going forward as an afl standard player if there's one guy i'd be trying back it'd be harry jones over kane baldwin but that's a, a debate for another day Will Setterfield, I think well, let's just talk about the midfield mix generally good and bad at the moment because I think Will Setterfield stood up in a way where he was very different to the rest of our mids in his contested possession winning. Um, I thought he looked great. He attacked the ball. He tackled really well. I thought Jai Cordwell tackled well as well before he did his ankle. But I think a couple of the senior mids really let us down, um, namely Shield and Parrish um, with their physicality on the weekend, and Parrish particularly, um, I'm normally a defender of Parrish. He's a, I think he's a very talented player, but um, I really just hope that was blowing the cobwebs out, cobwebs out against St Kilda because he looked disinterested. He did look disinterested. Amusingly, he still was equal second for tackles for the game. You know, Merritt, Setterfield, and Menzi all had six, and then Parrish, well, sorry, sorry, he's standalone second. Parrish had four and nobody else had more. So... It's 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 funny in that I think that sort of probably tells you that the tackle stat is not the the be all and end all in terms of physicality because he, he did look disinterested. I'm not too stressed about it though. Oh, I I feel like Darcy's one of those blokes that he he'd be smarting after that performance. He he really would be thinking to himself could have done more. And so I feel like we just wait and see. I think round one him and Merritt will probably rack up the thirty touches again and away we go. Setterfield was good. I don't think he was as good as 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 advertised at the moment. I I think there's a lot of desire for him to be good. So it's tough because he was. You, you're right. His physicality was really good. Um, he tackled a lot. He did everything. He did everything right in that sense. But his disposal efficiency was at sixty percent. Now I get disposal efficiency is not the best stat, and a lot of people. You know, think mm. think it can be overrated, but when you have twenty five touches and fourteen of those are handballs, I look at that and go, "How did you only get sixty percent disposal efficiency?" That's you, you've got to be able to use the ball better than that. If you're going to if you're going to go in there and and have um you know like as I said, you go you go in there and sixty six percent of your possessions are handballs, your disposal efficiency can't be sixty percent. It just just can't be. It has to be has to be higher. So he did really well to get the ball. He was physical, but if he's going to butcher it, is he much worth to us? Is is he really worth having in the side if he's going to be physical, get the ball, and then hand it straight over? Yeah, I I, I suppose that was a knock on him. You got him cheap for a reason, didn't you? Like he didn't fit into the Carlton midfield because they're already stacked inside. Probably the main reason, but the other one was there was always a knock on his disposal, isn't it? Even at under 18s, um, that was more like foot, though. 
again, I, I just I by hand, I think I'd have to watch it back again. I didn't think he was that bad by hand. I thought by foot he missed quite a few targets, which again was not surprising because that's what's what why you got him cheap. But um yeah, I, and, I and suppose look, he might be someone he, he's probably somebody, to be honest, that's exemplified by that wind. You know, as I said, needs to be an AFL player, should be able to adapt, but the reality is yeah. his kicking's not great. So he's probably the exception to the rule in that He's not going to be able to adapt. We know his kicking's not great already. Therefore, that win, it's just going to be pretty terrible. So, yeah. so I, as I said, I'm probably going to give him a pass purely because he's got a poor football. And he's not poor by foot. He's average by foot. Average players find it really hard to, to fix that up in that win. So yeah. I'm not stressing yet, even though last year I think I said he was the Dodoro special because, you know, Adrian wanted him when his draft year didn't get him. Wanted him when he came from GWS, didn't get him. Third time lucky for him, but look, yeah. Oh, so I just think, even though I've probably been a little bit critical of him, you, you, again, we probably wait, wait till round one because he definitely plays, has to play round one. Yeah, I think he's probably been, he and Merritt have been our two best performed mids over the first two games. But I think our midfield mix will look very similar for the first three or four weeks of the year as it was last year, with the exception of Setterfield, just to see how it goes. Uh, before we see any major changes. So if you're expecting you know, Parrish or, or Shield to get kicked out of the rotation after a couple preseason matches, you're going to be disappointed. But uh, the other thing with Parrish is 69% game time. So you know, that could probably explain the numbers as well. But there, there was just a, a distinct lack of sort of intensity there with him. And maybe he was just like, yeah, it's preseason. I'm a seven-year player. I don't need to, to wait till round one. But that's a dangerous game and we can't afford to flip the switch because we're not that good. I, I suppose let's end on a positive note. Alan Davey, I think, is now a lock for round one. We've only got a few minutes left, but I, I just wanted to get the hype chain go- train going on Alan Davey. I thought he looked ready for round one. He was a spitting image of his uncle. Like, if you told me that was Aaron Davey running around, I would have believed you. That shot for goal went out on the floor was terrible, but all in all, I'm... A real bright spot and a real find, I think, over the preseason, Alan Davey Jr. Yeah, and I think everybody's now looking for your Kaziah Pickett style impact in the in the first season. It used to be the the case you go, oh, these these small, skinny, small forwards, they won't do much for it the first year because they get pushed off the ball too easily. But there's been a few, and, and Kaziah is just the one, the most recent examples. So he's the one I'm running with, um, where a skinny small forward comes in, is able to just play AFL football purely based on their natural ability. And Owen David Jr. is definitely one of those those players. He is um, just unbelievable. He's positioning at the fall of the ball, how clean he is when he picked it up. You know, he just he just looked like he's a ready-made AFL player. Disposal-wise, <laughs> again, just needs to clean it up a little bit. But, yeah, <laughs> look... I think I think yeah I think he's definitely going to be the um the best first year player for us this year. Yeah, I I, I tend to think that around the ground disposals on Saturday, oh Friday night probably just need to be written off to some extent. But I was impressed with this tank. He was getting up and down the field. He was involved at halfback a couple of times, mopping up. Um, and what that was one of the big credits for him coming in was he was more than just a small forward. He was he was actually quite capable of pushing out the midfield and onto the wing. It's just good to have someone to look forward to. They have another Indigenous guy and a Davy name. Um, hopefully his brother, now that um, we haven't 
picked up anyone to the SSP, which is a bit surprising. It's something we haven't talked about. I suppose we haven't picked anyone up, so it's not worth talking about. His brother might be able to join him soon. I mean, be elevated off the longer-term injury list, which would be great. So that's probably just going to be us for this week. Next week, we're going to be doing a full round one end season pod. We'll be having predictions. We'll be having um, over and unders for what we think uh, this year is going to be. And we might even have a guest if we're lucky. Bonds, it's been great to chat to you again. It's uh, exciting to have another big year ahead for the Essen Football Club and one hopefully that's a little less eventful than last year's. Yeah, it would be nice if we could just have a nice quiet year where, where we only focus about what's happening on the field. No worries. All right, well, that will be us for this week. Um, thanks for listening. Make sure you, you pass it around to your friends and to other big footy bomber fans and we'll chat to you next week. Mm-hmm.